and welcome everyone to the 34 Sources Salon. Make matriarchy great again, and this is the Feminine Divine. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb, and I'm here with Don Sam Alden, and we have today a very special guest, a poetess and a deep thinker of all things wonderful. Uh, we have as our guest, Caitlin Shetler. Hello. Welcome, Caitlin. Thank you very much. I'm going to give you an applause for that, Caitlin. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I feel so honored. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Caitlin, uh, we have actually spoken her name on this um podcast series before because we have talked about a poem that she wrote that made a very did, uh, did lightning strike when we spoke her name uh, maybe <laughs> did. Uh, certainly in my heart okay. um, but uh, she wrote a really wonderful poem that um, that really struck a chord with both Sean and I and um, on a on the previous uh the previous podcast in this series, we talked a little bit about what that poem meant to the two of us. And I reached out to Caitlin and she was willing to come and talk about the journey that she went through with her relationship with the divine to come to a place where she would write a poem like God is a mother. Um, so she has agreed to, uh, to be our guest, and um, we are so thrilled and looking forward to talking with her. I'm so glad you asked me. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, so again, this is just sort of a, um, as my father would say, loosey-goosey um, <laughs> podcast. So we're just going to sort of chat. And uh, if you want to start us off, Caitlin, just let us know. Um, what, were you born into a, uh, spiritual tradition? Um, did you have one growing up and what was that like? Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I was definitely born, I, I would say I was, um, born into a generational tradition, um, of, of, um, uh, Christianity, um, specifically the flavor of Church of Christ. And the Church of Christ is uh, a very unique little um, corner, I think, of uh, non-denominational evangelical Christianity. Um, they are a very unique people um, with very defined uh, sets of rules. And I hail from um, my parents, my grandparents, my great grandparents have all been Church of Christ. So, wow. um, yeah. Where, are you, where is that from, uh, Caitlin? Where are you from and where does that, what part of the country is that? Um, I am from, well, my dad was in the military, so I grew up everywhere. Um, Churches of Christ in general, like the, the main, the main hub is Nashville. And my mom and dad met at Lipscomb University in Nashville. Um, and then my dad's from California. My mom's from Tennessee. They got married. My dad joined the Air Force. Um, we moved around my whole life until I ended up right back here um, in Nashville, Tennessee. So um, wow. yeah, it's a, it's a, um, as far as you know, we're talking about like history and where do you come from? I mean, uh, I went to because I moved around a lot as a military brat. Um, I was changing, probably changing communities, changing schools every two years. So um, for every, my whole growing up time, I went to some sort of Christian school. Um, so Lutheran, Church of Christ. Um, Assembly of God, and then a lot of years going to Catholic school. And then within that, um, 
did, you know, every Sunday, every Wednesday night going to church. Um, church is a huge, huge, huge part of my growing up experience. Went to university that was affiliated with the Churches of Christ in uh, good old Searcy, Arkansas. Um, which, Searcy, C-A-R-C-E, Searcy? Uh, no, S-E-A-R-C-Y, Searcy, oh, okay. Arkansas. Um, okay. It is about... Um, yeah, like 45 minutes from Little Rock, a small school, Church of Christ affiliated, um, went to, got my master's in Nashville, and then ended up before my current job now, actually working at a um, COC school in Nashville. Um, and so it, it's, I'm going around the world to just say, like, as far as the the soup that I was, right, uh, you right. know, born in with very is one that is very um just steeped in this in this christian history yeah even though you were you were all over the place you were still very much surrounded by um you know this very same the same philosophical and spiritual thinking very much and i was i was I mean, I'm an only child. Um, I love school. I, my parents are great. We would, we would spend time just like talking and really getting deep about things. And so I, I was really, um, it, it wasn't only that, like I would grow up going to church. I was just very involved in it. And so it was like, I was, um, you know, I liked doing vacation Bible school and Bible bowl. And like, I was really proud of the fact that I did really well in like my Bible and religion classes. And, um, I, my, my whole identity is, was tied up in this idea of like, not only being a really good Christian, but like a really good Christian who knew her stuff. So it was very much, um, where I, I felt connected, I guess, to this, this view of myself that I understood the Bible and, um, you know, I had a strong faith and I would be, um, if you asked me something, man, I could give you like the biblical answer for it. And so like, and because I went to like all of these different, different denominational schools as well, like I was able to sort of bring that together. So, I, I put all that forth as we're going to start talking about, you know, we, we talked about uh, the feminine divine and what does this mean? I mean, I am very steeped, I guess, from a faith background that has made this journey to the feminine divine a very uh, risky one. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. yeah. Um, a risky one and a very, um, at times, a very uncomfortable journey. Yeah, very fraught, I would imagine. I should yeah. tell you, Caitlin, I, I am in a similar place. I mean, I'm probably haven't made the full journey. I mean, I am a practicing Catholic. Okay. And I am, Christianity is my framework my entire life. It's still my framework. Uh, and so, I, on the first episode, uh, Don and I talked about, you know, sort of what I am feeling as I approach and look at these aspects of the feminine divine. I think part of this too is, um, I mean, in Catholicism, there is a feminine face, obviously, with the Blessed Mother, Virgin Mary. And so there's a sense of some feminine divine that you have, but I totally understand what you're talking about in the sense of that, that peril you feel. That's that, that sort of unease one can feel within the Christian framework as you look at something like this. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. And then, um, I mean, specifically too, when you're not, everything is black and white a lot of times within this framework. Um, and especially like within this particular flavor of Christianity, which was very, um, rested very strongly on, the, the belief of themselves as having like the right answers and the right, um, the right iteration, I guess, of what the Bible meant. And, and it was revealed to us and we are um, Christians and Christians only. And we're the early church and like all of these denominations don't have it right, but we do. And like, it was, it was very much a, um, 
what the Bible says, what the Bible says. And there was, there was no thought around, um, could that, could that be poetic? (laughs) Could that mean something different is, is our interpretation of it, the right interpretation. And so, yeah, that Sean, that danger kind of, of saying like, oh, what if I want to step out and maybe think about God in a way that he, he wasn't presented to me right, growing right. up and, and what in the world, what does that mean? Oh my goodness. When you talk about there, I mean, I'm curious from my own standpoint as well, were the interpretations literal, were they, or I should say, were they not considered interpretations? Was it about this is the literal word in scripture and as that word is written, so it shall be followed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. That, uh, well, yeah. yes, it, it was, it was, this is, this is the litter. We're going to look at it literally unless maybe something didn't fit something that we wanted to do. And then we're going to figure out that that was cultural. So everything is literal until it, um, had anything to do with being accepting of marginalized people and marginalized identities. And what's an example of that? I'd love to hear. uh, Well, a very, a very easy one is women. Um, In in the church I grew up in, women are um, to be submissive. They aren't to lead. They are um, now, within whatever congregation you go into, that was either taken very, very, like you couldn't raise your hand, you couldn't teach, you couldn't pray, you couldn't teach a Bible class. Some churches were like, oh, we would let you pray, but just not, not in service. But the, the main, the, the overall thing was women are to submit, women are to be silent, women are to, um, you know, women's roles. Women have their roles, men have their roles. Women are never elders. Women are never preachers. Women are never Bible class teachers. <laughs> women are women are always, um, you know, in charge of our potlucks and visiting, um, you know, visiting widows and teaching the the toddlers. But that is it. Like that's the limit to what it is. So. I had a very, very different upbringing from both of you two, of course, um, because um, I was raised as an atheist and I found my way to religion based on what resonated with me. Um, So I sort of, you know, shopped around, I guess, and found the kind of spirituality that that felt like truth to me. So I, I am baffled by this. And of course, I, I'm really curious how that made you feel. Can I, also, can I just jump in and ask also Caitlin as well, how it made you feel, but also, you know, because I still am very connected to the Bible and connected to my Christian faith and look at it from the standpoint of there is a lot more in it, both historically and textually and in terms of the text, um, that supports women and the empowerment, you know, the equality, simply the equality empowerment of women. So what I wonder too is how it made you felt, but what, how did they handle things that you or I, I'm sure both know that either in the text or in the history, just completely counter that whole notion? Well, that's a lot to throw at her. So okay, well, <laughs> take, take, take it in parts. Yeah, yeah, take it in parts. Um. Oh, it's so, uh, I mean, <laughs> it's cultural, Sean. If, um, it, if, if we're going to talk about like letting women do something in equality, well, that, that was surely you aren't interpreting it correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is a lot of, um, and, and yeah, I mean, I struggled with it a lot. It was that it was the first thing that I think really, I connected with as I got older that made me feel, okay, I'm, I'm on a rocky foundation. Like I, I don't like this. I, the more, it, it was almost like they, the COC, the church of Christ taught me to like investigate scripture and just be like this person of the word. And then like, 
so I was, and then as I was, Sean, like you said, you start pulling out all of these themes and you're like, wait, (laughs) (laughs) everything you taught me (laughs) doesn't go with everything you're telling me to read. So, so what am I supposed to do here? Um, so I mean, as, as far as it is so hard because, because when you, when you take a text and you make everything literal about it, you have to decide then, um, especially with something like the Bible, you're going to have stories like narratives in the Bible where things have tension with one another or like verses where things come up in tension and your hermeneutic or like the way that you decide to read that um, is how are you going to deal with that tension? The, the church that I came from taught me that, well, if you believe the tension is there, you're reading it wrong. And if you see tension, always the, the, always prioritize, um, not the story, but the words, if that makes sense. So, so I, if I see a narrative of Jesus consistently putting women first, um, consistently inviting them into his ministry, however, however that looks, or a story of the, the thousands of stories in Hebrew scriptures that, that show God kind of putting a woman in charge. And I see that story and I lift it up, but, The words might be um, Paul saying, I do not permit a woman to preach or to teach. My church told me the narrative is what you're interpreting wrong. The words are very clear. Mm -hmm. So, So it doesn't matter what story I present of Jesus, because at the end of the day, well, Jesus only chose um, male apostles. And then story so, yes as, <laughs> as it was defined how did how did that how did you handle that personally how did that make you feel i mean were you as a person growing up um of a strong independent spirit such that mm-hmm. you know this would this would really be in conflict with your nature like what was the circumstance for you yeah it oh it is very much in conflict with my nature as I started to discover my nature. Um, and how old were you around? Probably. I probably knew there started to be a conflict around um, elementary school when I was in Bible classes and I would speak up and I would have uh, teachers tell me, you know, give the boys a t- chance. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> give the boys a chance to like say things um oh. and oh those poor boys never get a chance in our culture <laughs> right exactly exactly and then um i remember saying so you know going into fifth grade saying something and then being reprimanded by the teacher of um you know you don't you don't talk back and i think it really started hitting me um actually in high school I had um gone to my my freshman year I was attending a um, assembly of god school and um within that school within that church they were very this charismatic faith was very much about testimony and it didn't matter who came up to give a testimony like it could be it could be a man or it could be a woman. If you had a testimony, if the spirit led you, like go and do it. And um, it really put into uh, sharp relief um, the COC, which said, one, Holy Spirit doesn't really work like that. <laughs> and two, the only testimony kind of worth hearing in public is going to be from a male. And so I had an opportunity wow. in um, ninth grade to quote unquote give a testimony um, mm-hmm. it, at this at Word of Life. Um, 
and Word of Life Christian Academy. <laughs> like I went and I gave this testimony. Um, and I think it was there that it sort of clicked. And I was like, oh, oh, wow. Like this is what I've been wanting to do. And so then I just kept trying to fit myself. Like I was like, well, I'm really good. I'm really good at being, being this like awesome Christian girl. Like, and I'm really good at being a really great church of Christ girl. So I'm going to, I'm going to go out to, um, the university and I'm just going to do everything I can to try to put myself adjacent to leadership because like, I, I can find it somehow. Like I want to date a youth minister. So that way I can be like adjacent to ministry. Um, versus like, cause, cause I was never given like that opportunity. And so as I grew and as I had like experience after experience, I, I felt like something was chipping away, um, at, at what is more inside like what was more me? Like I had, I had this shell that was like this perfect, this perfect Christian girl. But the more I had these experiences, the more like I felt like something was molding me to say, well, no, like this is who I am and this is what I need to embrace until we got to the point that right out of, I kept having like all these experiences that made me angrier and angrier. And then we get to the point that, out of grad school, I'm trying to think about where, um, where my life needs to go. And I'm just getting like more frustrated because nobody's ever given me the language to see God as anything other than this, like this male leader who I have grown up with, like my whole life seeing in the church. Like culturally you've been surrounded with. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just, just that. And so I, in the past, like I would say five or six years, I started, it was, it like started with just a couple of questions. Like, why do I feel, I think it was like a revelation, one small tiny revelation. I was talking to a friend and I said, well, I know that if I had been born male, I would have uh, become a preacher. And it yeah. was like, just, it was this like aside, you know, that I had, that I had said, and she was like, oh, okay. And then that just sort of, I, I just went running with that basically. And then wow. things started to deconstruct and it wasn't an, and really the, the feminine divine I think came a lot later because it's easy to deconstruct this idea because you have examples of it in other pieces of Christianity. You, you can say like, like what? Of, well, examples of, of women leading, you can okay. find that in like, um, in different strains. There aren't a lot of examples of the feminine divine. So it was like really easy for me to come to this conclusion that, um, okay, women can lead, women can preach, but then I had a harder time than trying to deconstruct this idea of just God as male. Right. I want to just go back to a few things, because this is, this is the great point to get to that. That's sort of, like you say, you deconstruct it and then you get to the feminine divine and, and looking at this, but just kind of just as a point of reference for listeners and also just, cause I think it's interesting to, so we, understand it a bit more what really you're you're coming up against so you said first that the you were taught that the holy spirit doesn't work that way and that test women don't give testimony so could you first maybe just tell us just a little bit about what testimony is so listeners understand thank you Uh, (laughs) because i don't know what that is (laughs) yeah no let's just let's just go through some of the christian terminology just to kind of like give people a little kind of you know, framework for it. Sure. Um, but also I'm curious too about, because, you know, in my faith tradition, we have a rosary and one of the things yeah. we do in the rosary is we call upon the Holy spirit and it's, you know, um, we're, we're actually, it's, it's, to me, it's part of the feminine divine because you're reaching, you're asking the, the Virgin Mary, the blessed mother to intercede for you. And then the Holy spirit's involved in that. And then having studied, I saw that the spirit had been described in the feminine initially 
by early Christians. So that's interesting. But what did the Holy Spirit mean for your uh, leaders and your faith tradition? And then what is testimony? And then we can kind of go from there. Sure. Um, in, in my tradition, the Holy Spirit is, um, the, the Holy Spirit was, it is not as active, um, really in my tradition, other than the fact that, um, the Holy Spirit kind of was breathed upon the apostles after Jesus left and so in acts and that that's basically it. So you had God and um, God needed to send Jesus to save us from all of our sins. And so while Jesus was on earth, the Holy spirit was not there. This is just kind of the, what I was taught, you know, Mm -hmm. while Jesus was on earth, the Holy spirit was not there. When Jesus ascended, the Holy spirit was given, um, to, to his followers, to the apostles, the apostles spoke in tongues. Um, and basically after kind of the acts of the apostles, um, the Holy spirit is just kind of there (laughs) and, and uh, the, the Holy spirit just kind of sits as like, um, something to guide you like the holy spirit is going to guide you in your it doesn't the spirit doesn't fill you don't just so you know that the acts is one of the one of the uh books in the new testament and it's about basically after christ's crucifixion and resurrection here's what here's what happened with the apostles it's sort of you know the next series the next Series chapter three in the trilogy. Yeah, exactly. However, you I I wanted to put it in a way that I wouldn't be struck by lightning, Dawn. So, (laughs) so. I'll 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 take that. Yeah, exactly. You can take that hit for me. Basically, the Holy Spirit uh, came by after Jesus left to sort of keep the apostles on the straight and narrow and finish. (laughs) saying everything that had to be said. And then the Holy Spirit kind of went on vacation. Uh, the, just kind of took a, took a back seat. Once, once Jesus came, once we had the Bible, once God is there to pray to the Holy Spirit, just kind of, um, with now, let me tell you if any, if any church of Christ person is listening to this and starts to get mad because I'm not representing it. correctly, <laughs> I, I won't be, I won't be surprised because people accuse me all the time of misrepresenting, but I think what I'm saying is very accurate for, um, what, um, in practice, I think what they believe, um, that may not, I be- think you're being very respectful. In your <laughs> you are, you are. And I am being, I am being, uh, deliberately disrespectful, just, no. just lighten the mood. Uh, okay. I'm trying to be the, the understanding fellow Christian intermediary. So it's like, all right. so, I think we're all covered. I think we're all covered. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> all the squares filled. Yep, we're good. <laughs> so, yes, that that's basically it. Like I, I, in we are not a charismatic faith. So, when you would be reading the Bible, the Spirit shows up in what the Spirit is teaching you about how the Bible. Um, how the Bible means in your life. You, the Holy spirit is there to kind of like carry your words to Jesus. It's interesting because, um, and I'll say this, Sean, like the church of Christ is very like, um, will will very much say like the Catholics are not doing it right. Um, well, everybody says that about us. Caitlin, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, Catholicism says it about everybody else. So we're Listen, but, well, but that's only during the Crusades, don't I? I think it's interesting because I always try to point out, especially going to Catholic school for as long as I did, that I think the COC and Catholicism are kind of the same side uh, or different side of the same coin, because mm-hmm. oh, um, because I think. You know, they're, they're very, they're very certain, like, um, and, you know, don't pray to Mary, don't pray to the saints. There is no, don't, 
don't talk to a priest. There's no um, interceding for your words to God. It is, we believe that there's a direct line to God. So I, I keep hearing that, but then you're also told, well, the Holy Spirit interprets everything you say <laughs> to God. <laughs> and so so the, the Holy Spirit like exists as um, this this kind of entity, this God, basically part of God that brings whatever your words are, the way that you're reading up to God. But the Holy Spirit is never anything that was like active and present. And mm. the thing that that really hurt like women especially is because I could never say I feel led or like, I feel like God called me to this. No, God didn't call you to that. (laughs) God can't call you to that. (laughs) So how does then, and how are you, well, see, that's really interesting because in so many, not just Catholicism, but a lot of um, Christian faith traditions, it is about being called. Right. You're called upon the spirit moves you. Pentecostals have the spirit movements. There's a lot of stuff like that. So how do you, how does a person in that faith tradition, and we'll get, you know, we'll circle back because I obviously don't, this is about the feminine divine, but I'm curious because it affects what happens to you as you move forward, because you find you, you're coming up against this, right. you know, this, this wall and you're becoming angrier about it. So how would they expect a person to be moved in that tradition? Or how does a person decide what to be? within the faith, I guess is my way of saying it. Uh, yes. Um, a person well, sounds like as a woman, you weren't so much given a decision of what you would be within the faith. You were told this is what women do in the faith. They, you know, they right. take care of the children. They visit the widows. They do this sort of thing. Yeah. So it's, it's weird because I, I have, I'm glad you asked it. I've asked the same question of um, the men who I know who have become preachers, who are the same ones who say that you can't trust a woman if she says she's called because God is never going to call you to do something that's sinful. Um, but wait, could you trust a man if he said he were called? Yes, you could. But okay, you could. Um but if you press, see, this is the circular reasoning. Yes, you could. Mm-hmm. People, people don't go around though saying like, I answered my call. There was, there was this calling or anything. It was the, it's basically like, oh, I read the Bible and I'm, um, I'm from generation of preachers or this is something I want to do. Or somebody told me that I talk well <laughs> and I can give a, so, so I, you know, it's a high honor to dedicate your life to ministry. And I think that that was just more of the, the experience within the, the churches of Christ is it's, it's just, it's a vocation that is really honored within, within whatever. And it's open to anybody who wanted it except for women, but women, right. Except for half of the people in the church. Right. Like our, so that's, our, our main, the, the main thing that, and if I can, if I can step back and say like, oh yeah, like this sounds good. The main thing is we are the priesthood of all believers. That is what um, the COC kind of like foundationally believes. We are the priesthood of all believers, which means that mm-hmm. that ministry should be open to anybody who wants to do it. They do not live their value. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So you, so you had said at one point you would, if you had been born a man, you would have been a minister. Yes. Right. And was that the start? That was the the spark that got you thinking about this entire nature of being female within faith. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I just, I, it never. I don't think before then it ever really hit me um, that I was just told so many things so many times from the church growing up that there were so many places for me in so many different ways. Like, why did I have to be um, in a in a specific one? Like, why weren't the ones that were already available to me good enough? What 
what Mm -hmm. made me, you know, selfish and attention seeking and all of these things. If all of these negative ways to think of it. Exactly. And um, so really, I I spent a lot of time just kind of internalizing that until I was able to verbalize. I I was at, I, I remember it. I think it was so profound for me. I was at a um, Starbucks. <laughs> like I remember, mm. I remember what I was drinking. It was like a peppermint mocha. I was sitting across from a friend. <laughs> I was at Starbucks and I made this statement, and I had never said it to myself before. And it was like at that moment that everything just clicked for me. And then it was just this process, you know, obviously of like grieving, you know. Um, yes. Yeah. And. and yeah what that all meant and everything. And then I tried to find, I tried to find a lot of ways to do it um, within the context that um, within my faith context and within my faith background. And that's a whole other story for a whole other time. But, you know, it was, it was very much um, it's, it's, there are some women who are doing it, but they're doing it in ways that I, I think are, um, they have to give up a lot of themselves to do it, to try to move the needle to really be ministers within this faith tradition. And yeah. at a certain point, I I felt like I couldn't keep giving up so much of myself to try to find a place within, you know, within this group of people. So what what did what was the next thing you did once you had that revelation and you tried to work within it and you felt okay this this is not going to work where did you go Oh um I I feel I mean, did you leave did you stop practicing worshiping with your No fellows? no um I I dug in hard. I, right, I made that right. made that revelation, and then I was like, "Well, okay, let's change it." I mean, it was there. There was a bit of naivete um, on my part of feeling like, "Okay, I figured this out. Now I can like I can just explain this to people, and people are going to understand, and like there's going to be a space for me." Um, so I found it out and I was like, oh, if I just share my hurt with people, like, let me just share my story. Let me tell people how hurt I was growing up this way. And so I do it and the church just kind of looks back and is like, (laughs) whatever. Did did you have any fear? Because I know that when I come at this from a Christian standpoint, you you start to question yourself of, Am I am I following the dark path? You know what I mean. You know what I mean. You they start to think, am I following some sort of offense to God, or am I am I doing something which is um, sinful? Right. Or you know, did that? Did, and I would imagine you probably may have been told that right. directly at some point. I mean, when you start to question, when you try to push the envelope, I would imagine that people would push back. Absolutely. Uh, I got a lot of pushback. I think what was helpful for me, which I am just, I see it as a big privilege that I have, is that my, um, my parents um, are just extreme. I mean, they taught me to be a questioner. Um, They taught me to be a very strong person. And so they, they hear like they listen to me. So they hear that and they're like, okay, let's, let's figure it out. Oh, is that not working for you? Well, I agree. Like I'm a hundred percent behind you. Oh, so it was wonderful. like, it was that's like wonderful. easy in that way of me to say, well, you know, I've got, I've got their backing. I can, how far can I push this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Let me, let me see the boundaries that I have. I, I'm married. I had um, you know, my husband is super supportive when I'm coming up through all of this. I've, I've got, you know, really important people in my life who are very close to me, who I think are trying to protect my heart, but I kept mm-hmm. trying to put myself out there. And I think the further that I got, um, the more people start criticizing. I had to learn very quickly, um, that that criticism 
was based more in their insecurity of where their salvation was than in what I was doing wrong. I honestly, I honestly think the, and I have continued to push and I am still continuing to push. I'm getting to the point. um, I think it was easy with the woman thing because I can see that so many other denominations and Christian uh, faiths are doing it. And so it's like, well, I still feel, um, I still feel like there's a very strong place for me to say, oh, a woman can preach. Mm-hmm. It's a little, I'm pushing myself a little bit more now that I start talking about the feminine divine and pray about God being a woman or talk about God being a woman. Exactly. exactly. Now it's like I'm pushing myself a little further. (laughs) And this right now is where I'm like, you know, I have the second, the second thought of. That's, that's what I meant because I, I mean, we can see, we can see from, I mean, if you study the, the early church, there were so many women who were preaching and teaching and leading congregations. And there's of course the whole historical yeah, I mean, if you yeah. if you read and believe Eileen Pagels, for the first four hundred years or three hundred years, it was women who were the preachers. It was women who were leading right. services in the early Catholic yeah, Church. Yeah, yeah, it was, was not a man's role at all. It was a woman's role. So, there was, I mean, there was obviously there were there were both men and women, but there were mostly because it was happening in the household. And so you had right in the private spec yeah. in the private sphere, which was in Roman cultural tradition, the domain of the woman. So, I mean, that, that I think is, I think even as a, I would say even as a Christian, because I think sometimes people miss that Christianity does have this female tradition in it, but in a, in a traditional, what we think of as traditional Christian world, you can still see where there's a place for women. You can argue that and not feel as if you were an absolute heretic of the faith. Exactly. But in this case, Caitlin, yeah, you and I are looking at the very, foundation of the spirit god as female like then you start to that's where and i I mentioned this to you don in the first broadcast that's where you start to be like oh where am i going oh oh man what's going on here how did you what what are you dealing with how are you handling it and i'm over here like what do you mean? God is a woman. God has always been a woman. What are you talking about? It's so obvious. No, and, and, and I, we're, we're, we're like praying, oh, Lord, please, please help me. Please, please forgive me. Yeah, please it really me. is. It almost, it's almost exactly that. If it's this, like, please, Lord, forgive yes. me. If this, is a, if this is a sin, I hope you're gracious. Like, yeah, I know that's exactly it. Thank you. <laughs> You've, you've said it in a way, Caitlin. I've been trying to say it for like three or four episodes. It's like that's what you kind of go through. Like, ooh, I hope I, if I've made a mistake, please forgive me. Okay, like I'm. I'm so your pronouns are that you know that kind of thing yeah. to the Lord, right? You know, hey God, what are the pronouns that you choose? So. I mean, and it is, it's, I I think about, okay, so God is, God is a mother. And like with one sentence, the world stops, like that's, that's the beginning of that poem. But it's like, Mm -hmm. anytime that I'm writing something like that, like my heart's lurching, (laughs) I'll like, I'll write it. And then it'll be like, okay. Yeah, is the lightning coming? Is this okay? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I know. I I totally feel you. I can write that because I write, but I'll write fiction and I'll write drama, right. and so I'll create like a matriarchal world. And of course, they would have God as female right. in the matriarchal world. So that's not a big deal for me to do because, in some sense, I'm like, I'm just doing make believe, Lord. It's okay. <laughs> you know, it's like it's okay. But then, when you, as you start to deal with it for yourself. Yeah, it's that thing of like, oh man, like that's why your poem it really does. It's like the I, I get it. The world stops. Yeah. When, yeah. You know. And so where where are you on that journey now? Okay, so hopefully, <laughs> I mean, I I want to to answer this question in a way that sounds like super. Um, I'm super advanced and far. <laughs> I am. <laughs> 
I am, don't, don't worry. I, am, I, I feel you. I'm stumbling on this journey, um, but I do feel like it's the right path. And so I have to remind myself of that where I, I've gotten more and more comfortable. And, and one of the things that I've had to tell myself is like, okay, just just kind of take it a little bit at a time because the more that I do it, the more that I do feel like it has opened myself up to an experience of God that is a lot richer and huger and brighter than anything that I've ever felt before. And every time that I reclaim that through the feminine divine, I feel that more. So there, there is a part of me um, whether it's the spirit or <laughs> um, mm. uh, just me or, you know, there there's a part of me that I connect with it every time I do it. So I continue to do it because it just it feels right. And I'm saying that and I know that there are going to be people who hear that and say, well, you, you know, you just there's an example of someone who's just following whatever they feel is the right thing to do. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like, well, no, like I, and this is where I guess this, this idea of spirituality and, and all of that, it feels right because it, my soul is hinging on it. And so, mm. so it feels right because every time that I write it, it opens up more truth for me. So as far as the, the journey goes, I've tried to get myself more comfortable, at least in naming it, of being able to get it down in words and when I speak and in my art. And then when it, when I stop, <laughs> it becomes having trouble saying it out loud. So like, it, you know, I've had, 33 years of being taught how to pray. And so now I have a four-year-old and I deconstructing while parenting a four-year-old is a very hard thing to do. Wow. Yeah. Because I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't know. I could just teach her. I could teach her what I know really well, but I also know where I've ended up and that's, not healthy or helpful or anything like that, but I don't know what to give her now. And so now I'm just stumbling through my prayers at night. <laughs> I'm like, how do, how do I? It's still a blessed thing though. It's still a wonderful thing that you're just giving her that. So, I mean, that you I can so. certainly take that. It's a, no, it's a, I, I, for me, I see that journey as, Everyone has a different, obviously, spiritual path and right. journey that they're going to take. I just, I do think there is something beyond us. And so if you can enrich someone with an ability to tap into what is beyond us, it's a beautiful thing, no matter how it starts to unfurl, you know? So I think that's, you've got that blessing happening for you. Thank you. So, um, I mean, what, I, what I'm interested in hearing too is how you said sometimes you found it that it's enriching you. So yeah. how, like, what are you doing? Where you're where you're utilizing it, and then how, like how as an example, because I'm I'm curious for myself as well. How is it feeding back in such a way that you're like, okay, sure, I'm I'm on the right path, you know? So, um, when the the concept of seeing God as mother or seeing God as a she, I think came up for me. Um, maybe about five or so years ago that I remember I, I saw somebody do it in a way of um, they were still Christian. And then they, they said this, which I had never known was a thing. I had only heard of God being described as woman in a very non-Christian context. Mm-hmm. I had never heard it from a Christian context at all. And so then I heard somebody do it and it was, it was shocking to me. Um, And it was like, well, okay, if that person can do that within a Christian context and they can draw out all the reasons why God doesn't have a gender, um, you know, within the Bible (laughs) that, that Mm -hmm. you can point to being fixed, I think, um, 
then why can't you go and do this? So then the more that I'm reading, and I think it was actually like Rachel Held Evans. I read something that she had written about something and she had talked about God being, being female and God is a mother and all What was her that. name? Rachel Held Evans. Held Evans. Yes. Okay. And if, if you have not read anything that she's done, please read it. Um, yeah. She, I, I, no, I have not. I will definitely. Yeah. She was such a amazing, amazing thinker and writer and everything. So, um, but she had written a lot of stuff about that. And so that, that sort of propelled me on the journey. And so I started doing it like in little ways I would, um, I couldn't yet say like, Oh, mother God, um, blah, blah, blah. When I was praying, but I would, I would just sort of imagine, um, me talking to, um, like a group of friends, a group of, um, uh, females, like a group of group of moms, like it, it would be different depending on when I was praying, but I was just trying to get like an image in my head. That was not this image of, um, kind of like this, this man, this preacher man, <laughs> you know, right. just kind of, just kind of listening to me. Um, and so I, I kind of do those kind of practices. I would like put it a little bit in my writing. Um, it was a lot easier for me to begin with um, the the um, plural um, of the day. And honestly, mm-hmm. if I was going to think about what God's preferred pronouns might be, it probably would be a they them. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. To, but, con- to, to think that you could contain right, right. something that is, you know, as vast right. as we envision the almighty to be, to mm. contain that within a gender just yeah. seems somehow so very human of us. It does. <laughs> and it's, uh, I mean, definitely. I think if God is non-binary, God is, God is a they, them, I think one of the things that is helpful for reclaiming any kind of gender is because you hear God so much in the masculine that being able to give feminine terms, even if God is non-binary, even if God is a they, them, being able to give feminine um, pronouns to that sometimes can be a very healing thing. And that that's, that's sort of what I mean. Every time that I was able to say, God as she or think of God as a her or or anything like that it was like giving a piece of myself like like reclaiming a piece of myself mm-hmm. to say like I am part of this story like I I can participate I'm not just like a rib pulled out mm-hmm. of somebody mm-hmm. and like thrown over here to be a helper um God not only a part but an equal part and a valued part I, I, God is in me like I, <laughs> I and I don't I don't know how to say that in a way of well Christians have weird ways of terming things anyway so it's like it's very confusing when you get into any terminology <laughs> among Christians because like you are not God but God is in you like all of that stuff so like I'm trying yeah, to like tear through that too <laughs> For Catholics, we have the whole thing with the the Trinity and the God in one. Yeah, it's very, I was just thinking about that the other day. It's like, you know, thinking of the specifics of what the the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and are they one being? And it's just, it was a huge, obviously, issue for the church, such that there were like schisms and rifts 1,500 years ago. It's like just... Yeah. These Christians make everything so complicated. We really do. <laughs> we really do. <laughs> um, so I so I was thinking about that because the the other day I wrote a poem about like claiming God as myself, and it's not me. It's not me like standing on a rock saying I am God like mm-hmm. worship me as this woman I am God it's me standing up and saying I am claiming the divine in me no matter right. no matter 
what you have to say for it. I don't, that can be apart from what my relationship to any male is. I don't have to accept uh, a masculine divine if that is not, like, that's, that's not something that I have to accept in me if I don't want it. Like, it's not, so, so I can stand up and I can say, like, if there are pieces of God in me, those pieces are feminine. Like, those, those, I am, I am God just by myself. And I, I think that that is something that men have never had to question before. Because that, right. that has been right. what they've been told their whole lives. And yeah. in religion, I mean, I, I can't think, I'm not even thinking of just like Christianity, but in in most Judeo-Christian <laughs> traditions and in, in, um, in um, I mean, I, I, I'm... Most of the world faiths. I'm trying I mean, to think, yeah, I'm trying to... Islam most, or... Yeah, yeah, any of the Abrahamic faiths. And, and you know, I've said this to Sean, um, uh, either on the podcast previously or in conversation, that I cannot think of an established religion, an established religion, not a spiritual belief, an established religion. I do not know of one in the world that does not oppress women, that does not contain the oppression of women as part of of its lexicon. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that the other day too. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I it, it just doesn't And so as a as a woman growing up, Sean one asked once asked me how that made me feel and I told him it feels like I have been the victim of a con. Mm. That I have been conned my whole life into, you know, encouraged to believe that as a woman, I have a different status when it comes to the divine. Right. And that status is a lower status. And it's like, really? (laughs) Like, why would I believe that? Why would I take that into myself? Because it can only make me try to diminish myself. And would the divine really give me a mission, you know, would my earth walk really be about only trying to diminish myself? Why? What possible benefit is there in that? It's, it's astonishing actually when you take that, because it's, it's taking this very beautiful aspect of existence, which is that we extend beyond just the physical and who we are, certainly as I believe and as many of us believe, but it's then using that as a weapon. It weaponizes that. Yes, absolutely. Let's, how do we extend our belief system of our dominion? Because really what you, you know, what you're stating is about how a culture, how a society imposes its dominion, how the men in specific who run a culture impose the dominion and you put it in such a way that you question whether you have even even have a right to be these other things just like caitlin you were talking about if i were born a man i'd be a right. minister it's like it's a crazy you think when you stop and think about it, it's a crazy thought it's why can't you just be you know there's yeah. we're supposed to believe that there's this thing that says you you know god is love and god is everything but he makes you less than someone else it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't so. make any sense to me. Like I cannot, that is cognitive dissonance that I cannot get beyond. <laughs> like why, why would a divine, all knowing, all loving being create me? Like go to the effort of creating the unique individual that is me with all of my thoughts and my ideas and, you know, the things that make me, me. And then like throw me into a rat maze where I am not allowed to actually express any of that. That doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Well, to to kind of just, I think, because we're coming up on sort of our, um, sort of the end of when we're, you know, wrapping things up, how would you, where would you want to, and I would love to continue this conversation and I, I'm sure Don would as well. Yeah. Um, Don't jump in. But where would you want to leave the listener? What would you like to leave the listener with just from what we've talked about today? 
I think, I think for myself, um, I mean, if, if anything, if somebody's listening and is, is exploring, I guess, or sitting with this idea of spirituality and the divine and, um, God, and they're trying to think like, is, am I part, how, how am I part of this? I mean, mm-hmm. sort of like Don was saying, like, where, where do I see myself? How am I connected? I, for me, making, having a focus, I think on the feminine divine tells me that I am worthy. Um, it tells me that, that my, um, what I am doing, this way of living my life has purpose and it's purpose apart from, um, what I have to give in support of other people. Um, it, it is purpose to a hundred percent, um, live my, um, live my dignity and my soul and my spirit as me without having to conform it to the the expectation. And so I, I think what I would want to leave people with um, is just that it's a process and it is at times frightening when you are trained from the very beginning that these are not words that you use and these are not questions that you ask and this is not a story that you uh are need to be a part of in this way and i i think that um even though it's scary and even though you're told that it's still worth it and it's it's worth it um at like a spiritual um molecular level um the this journey to the spiritual divine I think is a very uh, holy one. I think it is a very precious one, and I. It's it's not going. It's, it's not going to be destructive. I mean, <laughs> you. It, it's not something that's dangerous. I think. I think you would have, people and groups telling you it is, but it it's always going to teach you something. Um, and it is going to be most likely extremely fulfilling. It is going to open you up to a part of the divine that you didn't know. And most likely a part of yourself that you didn't know. And so, and I think I say this for myself too, so that I can go back and listen and say like, okay, like, <laughs> you can keep going. It's okay. Don't, don't worry. You've been, you've been very helpful to me, Caitlin, actually, as a Christian. You. It's extremely helpful. Thank so, you. And what, thank what you just said is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I mean, it, you know, it is uh, the quest to be closer to the divine. Whatever form it takes is a, is a holy one. And, uh, and my sort of last thought, I guess, would be that if you accept that the divine is something larger than can be put in a box by mortal human beings, and if you can access that divine more easily and more fully by using feminine pronouns and by thinking of the divine as a loving mother rather than a judging father, then there is no, no one should tell you that that's wrong. No human being should mark that as off limits for you. Wow. That's That's really beautiful. Well, I want to thank uh, Caitlin for joining us today. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. Such a pleasure to to talk with you about this. Really great. I'm so glad you were, we were able to, uh, you know, to connect our schedules. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. And Dawn, thank you for suggesting this and always for coming along this journey.
Absolutely. And in this road together. Yeah. And um, just a quick plug for Caitlin. Caitlin has a uh, is a poet and she um, has a Facebook page, which is how I found her poetry um, for uh, Caitlin Shetler Poetry. And um, is there anything else that you'd like to plug, Caitlin? Let our readers know or listeners know where to find you. Uh, right now, uh, I am really firmly stuck in the 2000s. So Facebook is my main, <laughs> my main form of social media. Um, but you can also find me on Instagram. Um, just search Caitlin Shetler um, at, at the Skeptolet. Leptic. Um, and then also on Twitter, which I don't use that often, but also under Caitlin Shetler. Great. Wonderful. Wonderful. Reach out to you there when we uh, put the show up. Great. Too. Thank so. you. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. This has been the 34 Circe Salon, the feminine divine. We will talk to you again soon. Take care. Take care and blessed be.